All right. Um, definitely excited about, again, another opportunity just to share God's word with you and to hear from him. Um, that's always a, an honor. And sometimes we, we take it for granted. Uh, we think that God should speak to us because he created us. Um, while he desires to speak to us because he created us, many times, most of the time, if not all the time, we haven't earned that right. It is God loves us, he's good and he's merciful and he has decided in his own will, his own way to, to extend his love to us and so for that indeed we're grateful and we're thankful. Um, this is uh, lesson number 11. Can you turn it up a little bit? I'm gonna step away from This is lesson uh, number 11. Just to think about um, how far we've come in this unit of perfect love, which is um, what I call this whole session, um, one thing I I understood the scope of what I what God was calling for me to present, but didn't really know um, how the path that He would would move in that. Um, we've taken some time at the very beginning to look at who God is and who God was and how God presented Himself early on. That's that's the part of the lessons that we have to remember God is not like man and so his characteristics and his attributes we need to remember and hold on to so that we know how to approach him from there we looked at how God extended his love to us as sinners not only because he died for us but he loved us before then he loved us in, in eternity past and I think sometimes that's hard because we say okay I know God loved me because he died for me there's so much more to that statement that can be said than just, he, he sent his son to die for me. We took some time to look at how God continued, because he's long suffering, because he cares, to continue to pull at the sinner man to come to him. Even though we fall and we fail and we reject him, he still extends his love for each and every one of us. We saw that through stories like Noah and the flood and some of the early um, lessons that we looked at back in Genesis. And from there, we've moved to what happens when we make the decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let me just say our Savior, because even with that, sometimes we still wrestle with giving our lives over to him as Lord, even though he is Lord. We still struggle with turning it all over to God. Sometimes we want to hold on to some things. Like, I'll give you 80% of my life. Let me hold on to this 20%. I think I can handle the 20. You take care of the 80 and God said, that's not really how I operate. I need the whole thing. <laughs> and then, so that, that's, that's hard sometimes. We say, help me in my, you know, with my spouse, but I think I can handle my children. You know, or help me with my children, I think I can handle my spouse. Or help me at my job, I think I can handle at home. Or whatever the case might be. And God is saying, again, that's not how it works. I need your whole entire life. I need all of you. And so that's, again, what he's calling for us um, even today. Last week, um, we began with a study on access to God. How God made himself available to us. How God made himself available to us. The work that he did so that we would have this access and communication to him. So this week and today, I'd like to talk about prayer. Realistically, we could uh, have a lesson on prayer for the next year <laughs> um, because it's so in-depth and rich. 
Um, so bear with me as I um, attempt to present prayer in 30 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that God is good and God is, is faithful um, with that. And hopefully I'd like to revisit prayer a little more in depth. We began very early on, a couple of months back, with a focus text from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 that said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And I have uh, repeated that verse every week because we're moving into the point where we understand that God loved us while we were yet sinners. God continued his love for us, even to the point of our salvation. God has showered us with his love in our state of regeneration. And God is commanding for us to extend that love to others, which is what we'll get to within the next, over the next month. Before we extend love to someone else, we have to understand how God loved us. Because it's from that same love that we're called to love others. And if we don't understand how God loves us, we won't be of no use when it comes to loving someone else. Because we'll fall back on what we said earlier, that's this worldly flesh, this worldly love. And so we'll think love means smiles and, and, and certain words when it's much more than just that. I'm gonna look at two passages uh, parallel, um, and that's Luke um, chapter 11, verse one through 13. You can find the same passage in Matthew chapter six. It's a familiar text. Again, it's one of those, like I said earlier uh, in our time, it's, it's one of those on the bathroom wall type of text. <laughs> um, or in the living room, commonly titled the Lord's Prayer. I like to begin by reading it from Luke chapter 11, at least up until the point where the, the prayer um, ends, or the model for prayer ends. Luke chapter 11, starting at the first verse says, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray say, Father, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. He, he continues after that with a story. I want to read that exact same scripture from uh, Matthew, because as I read it in Luke, you probably thought to yourself, I remember other parts of it. <laughs> All right? <laughs> That's probably what you're thinking. Exactly. It's been combined between that and the Matthew passage. So I do want to read Matthew starting at chapter 6 through the end as well. It says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corner so that they may be seen of men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. 
But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You think he said, that's the one I know right there. That's the, <laughs> that's the Lord's prayer I know. Um, this is a very challenging text, but it's appropriate um, even as Emmett spoke. I swear, Emmett and Hope, they've been they, something's going on because they have introduced the lesson very well over these past couple of weeks. Um, even as Emmett began with prayer, we need to, especially in times like these, to take um, prayer and understand it and agree and commit to that lifestyle, we need to pray to God. We need to go to God in prayer. That's the uh, simplest way I can put it. We need to go to God in prayer. It began in Luke um, 11 um, with this certain time in this certain place that Jesus was praying. I love the story because Jesus always gives us an example in his life of what we ought to do. You can look in the Gospels and there are many times when Jesus prayed to the Father. I'm not going to even go down a list of the scriptures, but there are many occurrences where Jesus would either slip away and pray, try to find some like, like peace from the crowd and go and pray, but he continued that open line of communication or that access to God the Father. He always prayed. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful, but prayer can be misused and misguided. What I found interesting in the Matthew passage that I just read, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, and going back to Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray. He says, when you pray. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't be like the Gentiles. When you pray, the expectation is that you will pray to God. That is the expectation. Jesus was not saying to his disciples or those who had said that they would follow him, it'd be a good idea if every now and again, you pray, right? <laughs> All right, this is one of those times I think we should pray. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, when you go to God in prayer, because you will, you should. And I think everyone in here has gone to God in prayer at some point in your life. And if you haven't, know that God is capable of moving you into a situation where you will, all right? So we probably can think of many times when our prayer life was strong, when we were going through times of adversity and testing. 
but we shouldn't always go to God when we're when our back's against the wall, right? That's kind of funny. That's almost like our children coming to us only when they need something from us, only when, when they need some money from us. But they don't come to us and just talk to us and just tell us about their day. What kind of child is that, <laughs> right? So we, as God's children, should respond a certain way. God is calling for us to talk to him all the time. That's why I love that Jesus says, our father. That's how we approach God. God is our father. That statement alone would have shook up many people because then the Jews didn't refer to God as their father. They thought that that was disrespectful. But God had made a way. The veil was torn. God had open access. We have that right to sonship because of our inheritance from Jesus Christ. So we are sons and daughters of God. Jesus made that known. When we go to God in prayers, our Father, that automatically should incite in us God's affection for us because God loves us. God loves us. So every parent in the room should understand when we go to God as our Father, even in our human way of thinking what that entails. But before we get into the model prayer, Jesus said how not to pray. He began by how not to pray. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. These are those that think that prayer makes them look good. And so prayer is not an intimate bond or relationship with God. It's a show. It's manipulation so that those that were around the temple would see them stand and present themselves a certain way and they would give off a holy appearance. God says don't pray like that. Matter of fact, when you pray, and this is the good part, when you pray, you go into your inner room. Automatically when I read inner room, you probably thought a holies a holies, right? Because we have access with God there. The veil has been torn. He says you go into your inner room, you shut the door. The shut the door is a, is a, a the part that I'd like to talk about a lot more if we had time. But I, I began that with 1 John 1 and 9. See, we shut the door when sin stays out. And we consecrate ourselves in that room with God. See, we can't shut the door if we still have sin. That's why before we approach God, we confess our sins. We get rid of sin so that we can have that one-on-one -on -one intimate bond with God where nothing can separate that moment between us and God. Always begin prayer by making sure that you have confessed your known sins. Always confess your known sins before you begin to open up your Bible and read God's Word. Because if you open your Bible and read God's Word and you have not confessed your sins, the Holy Spirit can't do anything with that. Holy Spirit can't do anything with that because sin is blocking the Holy Spirit from revealing God's word to you. So we don't want sin to block it. He says, also, don't pray like those that don't know God. If you know God, God is not, remember we talked earlier when we looked at God's characteristics and attributes, we can't make God feel a certain way. 
So by using meaningless repetitions, it does nothing for God. Prayer does not benefit God. Prayer benefits us. We receive the benefit of going to God in prayer. It is not for God's benefit. We're not enlightening God on what's happening. He already knows. That always comes down to the question, well, why, do, why should I pray if God already knows? Because prayer benefits us. When we go to God in prayer, we are called to do some things. And that's what his model prayer speaks of. We're called to do some things in prayer. And let me just say this as we prepare for the latter part of this lesson. Some things God, some things God is ho are holding, God is holding some things waiting for us to pray about them. God is holding some things waiting for us to pray about them. I'm not saying God is withholding some things, but he is holding things waiting for that moment where you will seek him regarding those things. Some things God just wants you to come to him and pray about. This doesn't mean that he doesn't know, but certain things he is holding so that you will go to him in prayer. Prayer pushes us to be humble and it forces humility and it's hard for us because we don't want to go to God in prayer at times because it appears like we're needy and we're weak. Well, guess what? <laughs> right? <laughs> we are needy and weak. That's the reality of it. That's the truth. But we don't want to admit that and we don't want to accept that. We want to appear like we got it under control. And that's not the case. We need God. We were created this way. We were born this way. We need God. And God wants to do everything for us, not some things, all things. So Jesus has to begin with, this is how you should not pray, because they had seen some examples in that day. He said, no, that's not how you pray. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 tells us that we ought to be devoted to prayer, that we ought to continue steadfast in prayer that we should have a lifestyle of prayer. Prayer should be top priority in our lives. We should pray often. First Thessalonians 5 and 17 says that we pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that I'm gonna stand here and pray for the rest of the day and not make sure my children are eating. <laughs> but that means that we always keep the line of communication with God open. Every situation that we come in contact with, we're praying to God. We're looking for opportunities to, to bring it to God. It's a consistent basis, not constant. It's consistent, day in and day out. We have to sacrifice for prayer. We have to make time for prayer. I know that we have busy schedules and busy lives and we could make the excuse, I just didn't have time to talk to God today. Know that that is not an excuse. Scripture says that we go to God and we pray and we keep that fellowship in season and out of season. There is no excuse for us to not pray to God. We must pray. It is for our benefit. We need to pray. It is a need. Here is the manner of prayer. Jesus wasn't saying say these exact words when you pray. He gave a manner, he gave 
a pattern, but he's not saying repeat this because he just talked about vain repetitions. So he's saying this is the manner that you ought to approach God in prayer. I'll read it again from the Matthew passage. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us, into, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There's five points to this prayer that I want to emphasize so that we remember. There's five points. Point number one, God is to be revered. I hope that in the past 10 weeks as we've been speaking of God, we have taken from the lessons that God sits on high. God is to be revered and highly respected. He is worthy of all praise. God is not man. We don't approach God like we approach man. We don't view God like we view man. And we don't speak to God like we speak to man. God is God. And if anyone stands in front of you and attempts to put God on the level of man, you might just want to start backing away <laughs> because judgment um, will fall on that person, that minister that leads the people astray. God is not man. God is God. We are talking about the creator of all. We are talking about the eternal one. We are not speaking of Robert right here. I'm here one day and another day I'm gone. That is not God. God is the eternal one, the all-powerful one. The one that in times past sat behind a veil in the temple but desired to be seen by all man. So he appeared in the wilderness. He appeared in the desert. God sent his son. The veil was torn, and he has made himself available to all. God is to be revered. Second thing that we want to note about this prayer is Jesus stresses the importance of praying according to God's will. It's God's will is point number two. We pray according to God's will. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many would ask the question, well, I feel like I'm praying to God, but my prayers aren't answered. You may have said that statement. I, I've said that statement. I felt like that at times. I'm talking to God, but I feel like my prayers aren't being answered. Are you praying according to God's will? Then that pushes the question, do you know God's will for your life? It goes back to our focus passage. You can't love God if you don't know God. So when we communicate with God, we communicate with God based on what we know of God and his will. We know what we should ask for and what we shouldn't ask for because the Holy Spirit moves in accordance to God's will. So we don't go to God and say, you know what, God, I'm feeling like I need a million dollars today. I just, if, if I had a million dollars, I would serve you, Lord. You know how we, <laughs> you know how we try to add that on there. God says, no, no. You're not praying according to my will. You're not living according to my will. 
you don't really desire my will. You want to do your own thing. You got a car in mind with that million dollars. Right? And that's me. I'm speaking of me right now. So I already know, right? So I would be there today if God gave me a million dollars. I already know the car that I want to pick out. And I try to make sure it's two-seater so my kids can't come with me, right? So, no, no. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> just me and myself and me and my wife. That's it, all right? Um, nevertheless, Jesus says that God's will it should be of the utmost importance. God's will should be of the utmost importance. Point number three, we ought to go to God for our physical needs. This might sound contradictory. It might sound like I'm saying he already will provide for our needs. He said he would. He's still missing the point because he's still thinking that prayer is benefiting God. It's saying, go to God every day for your needs. It helps us to focus our attention on what we need to carry out God's plan instead of what we want. See, we ought to go to God for our needs that line up with his will for our lives instead of just saying, God, give me these things because I want them. I am not saying that you shouldn't go to God about the desires of your heart because that's not true, Psalms 34 tells us. But it says that if you live a certain way and act a certain way, he'll give you the desires of your heart. You almost don't have to ask for them, right? You should just focus on living according to his will is what Jesus is saying in his prayer. Point number four is the kicker, but it's in there, it's in the model prayer. And it's this element of forgiveness it's forgiveness. That's the one right there. It's forgiveness. He's saying, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. When we go to God in prayer and God forgives us, we must be reminded what, what God has done for us and keep that in mind as we live according to others. We cannot go to God for forgiveness if we refuse to forgive someone else. We cannot go to God for forgiveness if we refuse knowingly to forgive someone else. So what am I really saying? Prayer is one of those things that, and this is why a lot of people won't pray, because <laughs> prayer is one of those things that forces us to move beyond ourselves in accordance to God's will. We are to forgive others as Christ, as God has forgiven us, period. We have stipulations. We have stipulations because we think we're God. So we have stipulations. We say, I will forgive if. This, I can forgive. This, I cannot forgive. We think we're God. We think we're holy. We think we're better. But God took all of our mess and forgave us. He took it all and forgave us. And he forgives me each and every day. The last element of prayer that's important here is deliverance from evil. He says in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Y'all, 
we are in spiritual warfare. Whether we like to believe that or not, there is a war that's taking place around us and we are involved. Whether we're on the positive side or not, we are involved. We are not free agents. We are involved, there is a war going on. We need God to deliver us from the evil one. When we go to God and say, lead us not into temptation, or don't put us, don't allow us to be in a situation of testing that we can't escape out of, it forces us to remember God's promises. And there are promises that lets us know that God will deliver us in our time of testing if we call on him. It reminds us of what we've talked about early on and that God always provides a solution. God always provides a way out or a way to deal with our situation. God didn't pull, immediately pull the three boys out the fiery furnace. He walked with them through the furnace. I love the story because they didn't pray to God that he would take them out of it. They understood they had to go through things, but God delivered them and spared them and they didn't smell like smoke. That's my favorite part of the story. Like, I don't get that. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But I know that God can do it because he's all powerful. There's not a situation that you could like face that God can't deliver you in and from. God is good. He is omnipotent. Do you believe that he's omnipotent? When you lean on your own understanding, it shows that you don't believe he's omnipotent. You don't believe he has all power. You believe he's limited in his ability. Or you believe that he don't love you that much. And I can tell you, we talked about God having this eternal love, a love that doesn't compromise, a love that's not based on how we act. He loves because that's just who he is and that's just what he does. You can't change that. You can't run away from God like the Romans pastor saying he won't love you. Wherever you go, his love is right there. Sometimes his love might come in the form of a little tap tap, right? A little spank, right? A little pat pat, whatever you might call it, right? But he's right there, still loving, still wanting you to come back in relationship with him. He's still drawing you back. God is good. So if I'm saying all of these things about God being good and, and we have access to him, we can go to him, he's gonna provide our needs and all of that, then why don't people pray as much? It wouldn't, it, it's almost like it doesn't make sense. Why don't I pray more? Because I want my prayer life to strengthen. I want to grow in my prayer life as I'm speaking to you today. What's holding me back from praying as much as I should? One, we haven't made prayer a priority. It's just something we do if we have time. If I have time today, I'll pray. But we haven't made prayer a priority. We don't see the value in going to God and talking to him. We really doubt that God will actually answer our prayers. We doubt. So instead of praying in doubt, sometimes we just don't pray at all. We don't believe God will really like impact the lives of our children. So I just, I just won't pray about that. I just kind of keep that to myself. 
sometimes we don't feel God's presence. Sometimes we think God is a feeling, you know, so we don't feel him near. We think he's far away, so we don't see the need to pray to him. We don't understand at times that he's omnipresent. He's always there. Sometimes we think he's far away. Most of that is from guilt. Our sins have caused us to feel like he doesn't love me anymore because that's how people respond. Know that that's not God. That's not God. Sometimes we just don't feel that this is really a need that we should bring to God. Like, it's not that serious, you know? Um, my leg hurts today. I don't need to bring that to God. That's, everybody has a hurt leg every now and again. Why should I talk to God about that? We're missing what Jesus said. He's your father. He cares about everything. The scripture says, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. I love that scripture. I was watching VeggieTales with my son yesterday, and they presented, I love VeggieTales. I'm just going to, hey, judge me if you want to. I, I love VeggieTales. We were watching VeggieTales yesterday, and they presented that scripture from the Old Testament, and I did not know that that scripture was in the Old Testament. It was from Isaiah, not Isaiah, it was from Psalms 55 and 22. And it said pretty much the same thing, cast your cares on him. And it said he will sustain you. And I just, whenever, we, whenever I see a New Testament scripture in the Old Testament, can, it just does something uh, for me in my study. And so he says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. The last thing which we're seeing in this passage is Sometimes we just don't know how to pray. You have to learn how to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. We ought to be willing to show, model, and teach others how to pray. Prayer is like, for many, it's like a, like a foreign language. But you know the way you learn to speak a foreign language or a different language is you have to just you have to do it. You have to practice it. You have to speak it more. And then eventually you, you, you kind of understand some things and it, it works. That's the same way with prayer. You won't learn how to pray or pray effectively if you're not doing it often. We must go to God in prayer. Exercise that, that prayer muscle, if you will. I want to close with a passage from Hebrews chapter 4. I began the passage last week as it talked about Jesus, the great high priest. And this is Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. But I want to conclude this today because it speaks of the benefit of prayer. So as I close, I want to read Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. I presented those passages, those scriptures last week. Verse 16, though, says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Again, it says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yours might say, uh, come with boldness 
what your text might say. The writer of Hebrews says, let us. He was inviting all believers, every reader of this letter, to come and join him in praying to God. That's my invitation today. We all should approach God in prayer. So he says, let us, if you are a believer, come to God in prayer. You can. You don't, you don't have to go to man to ask man to pray for you. You can go to God yourself. You have that privilege. Christ made it available. He was that high priest. It's interesting the word come or draw near in your text is a, is a Greek word that means come with the benefit to receive. Come with a benefit. That's really what the verb means in this scripture. So what that's saying is when you pray, there is a benefit in prayer for you. I like benefits, right? We understand that with our job. We have some benefits. Last week, I exercised one of my benefits and I just took a day off. <laughs> I never get the chance to do that. The past two, three, all of the years I've been teaching, my children have sucked away every vacation day that I've had. We get 10 years of teaching, they've sucked away every day. And that's, that's the truth. You could ask my wife, that's the truth. We even had to use an extra day. We got doctor day because they got sick. I mean, it's just, it's bad, okay? This year I said, before the, I'm going to get the jump on them, before they... <laughs> Before they take my vacation, I would just take a day off. Just a, a me day. Um, me and my wife took the day off. So it, it was just, it was great. Right? So the writer of Hebrews is saying, come, there is a benefit to coming to God in prayer. His prayer is referred to here as the throne of grace. I like that. It's the throne of grace. Not a throne of fear. God doesn't want you to be scared of him. That's not what fear and trembling means. He doesn't want you to be afraid of him. He wants you to revere him. He wants to be respected and lifted up and exalted. And he wants you to recognize who he is. In addition to being your father, your loving father. It's that throne of grace. And that word grace are the things that God has given us that we didn't deserve, like access to him. This is, not, this is not our right because we're humans. This is something that God made available for us because he loves us. Everything we have is because of God's grace. He's given it to us. We didn't earn it or deserve it. That's what he was saying early on in prayer. Don't pray as if you deserve anything from God. You do not. God is gracious. He's loving and he's gracious. But you can come with boldness. You can come with confidence, is what he's saying in this passage. Also, it says, here's the part that I was speaking of earlier, when I said, God is holding some things, waiting for you to come to him in prayer. This scripture says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. God wants you to call on him. You, if you want mercy, I, I don't want to ask for a show of hands if you want mercy. I know I do. Go to him in prayer. That's what he's saying. Come to me. 
He's not saying, I'm holding anything away from you. I don't want you to have it. He's saying, I want you to humble yourself and come to me. You have to recognize that you can't obtain mercy in yourself. It is through me. Come to me. I got something for you. <laughs> if, I tell, if I tell Braxton right now, he's been asking about a Mario game. He's into Mario right now. If I say, Braxton, I got this Mario game up here. Come to me. Some of y'all get knocked over as he runs up here to get this. Like, he understands the concept. Okay, I'm coming. I want what God has for me. God has some things for you. He's not going to force himself on you because he's a loving God and he's fair. He said, just come. I got it for you. I got mercy. I got grace. Just, just come. Just come. That's a stipulation, though. Will you go to God or will you go to yourself, your flesh, or man? Will you go to God? So that's the challenge today. Um, as we close, I did want to close with reading the last um, part of Luke chapter 11. This is verse 9 through 13. I didn't read it earlier when I start the, started the lesson, but I do want to read it now as we close. It says, I start at verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you have a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has always been shut. My children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will, give up, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So he's speaking of persistence right now. He says in prayer, be persistent. Go to God all the time. Go to God every day. Beat on the door of prayer. Seek God. Verse 9 says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This says that, and many take this passage out of context to mean, I could ask God for anything, he's going to give it to me. I already began by talking about praying according to his will. I already talked about speaking according to what we need from him that's going to allow us to carry out his will. That's the context of this whole passage. When you go to him according to his will, you will receive. If you go in the right manner, the right way, the right motivation, the right heart, we cannot go to God any kind of way. We have to remember that he is God. Uh, if, you could, if you could join me for a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come just thanking you. Thanking you for this time of study. Thanking you for just loving us and making yourself available to us. When we couldn't find you, you found us. The veil was torn so that we would have access to you whenever we choose to. We pray that we would approach you the right way, that we would remember to consecrate ourselves before you through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this time. 
We thank you for loving us when we are very unloving at times, many times, most of the times. Okay, all of the times. <laughs> we just thank you, God, and we love you. It's in your son Jesus' name. Amen.